Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day. You know, disaster has been averted for now, or at least avoided for the time being as well, because it seems like the big news today that is not being talked about, at least before the recording of this podcast, and before yeah before recording this podcast because i jumped around between the, a lot of the news organizations to see if they were talking about it the uh rail, railroad strike is not going to happen so later on in this podcast there we're going to be able to talk a little bit about the railroad industry a little bit which is which i think would be fun to be able to break down into a little bit and why what could potentially happen going forward the railroad industry and why these strikes potentially are happening a little bit more in depth details because CNBC is reporting a positive outline, but then the Daily Mail is making it seem like there's still potential disaster in the making. And so we'll cover that later towards the end of the podcast today. Other news that we'll be able to talk a little bit, we'll start today by talking about Disney. Disney's been on the been on the front cover of the news a little bit today from CNBC across the board for both how Disney CEO is wanting to buy I believe 100%, no, correction first, we'll start We'll start by talking about how ESPN will not be taking bets, but Disney does want to get a little, get their feet wet in the betting industry for sports betting. And also too about how Disney CEO is wanting to buy, like to own all of Hulu, but it seems like that deal's not going to happen as quickly as he would like it to happen. And then the thing we're going to talk about before, or the news article, I mean, what we're going to talk about before we talk about the railroads is the economy is on the break, is a breaking hard, says a billionaire Barry Streinlich, and why this is causing headaches for CEOs. And then, like I said, we'll talk about the railroad industry. With that being said, like I started at the beginning of each podcast, I have to remind you that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes, entertainment purposes only for those who wish to listen. I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. And you need to go talk to your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Please note, too, that if there are any stocks mentioned in this one, like for today, for instance, for Disney, I do have a small position in Disney, but it's a long-term position in Disney. And that... I cannot legally give you financial advice and I cannot tell you how to make investment decisions. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Disney CEO Bob Ch- Chapek says ESPN will never take bets. Okay. Disney's chief executive Bob Chapek said Thursday that the company's sports network ESPN is looking for a partner to help it step into sports gambling. Quote, we at ESPN have the ability to do that. We're Now we're going to need a partner to do that because we're never going to be a book and that's never in the cards for Walt Disney Company. Chapek told CNBC, Dave Faber said in an exclusive interview, but at the same time to be able to partner up with a well-respected third party can do that for us. The comments come after the activist investor, Daniel Loeb's third party recently took a stake in Disney during the second quarter, valued at 1 billion or 0.4% of the company. Initially, Loeb uh, pushed for Disney to spin out the sports property, saying it would be easier for it to 
part in certain initiatives such as sports gambling. But on Sunday, Leob revised his position saying on Twitter, quote, we have a better understanding of ESPN's potential of a standalone business and another vertical for Disney to reach global audiences to generate ad and subscribe revenues. Sports betting was on the core of Loeb's earlier push to spin off ESPN. Quote, we're looking forward to seeing Mr. Pitero execute on the growth of the initiative plans, generating considerable synergies as part of the Walt Disney Company. Loeb added in a Twitter referring Disney's chairman, James Pitero. Loeb's reversal came shortly after Chapek told reporters at Disney's D23 Expo that he had big plans for ESPN's future without disclosing details. You know, potentially... I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, okay. So for instance, recently, I think it was like a year or two ago that the AVP tour, it's like the professional beach volleyball world was bought out by a gambling company in Las Vegas. And I think a bookkeeping company as well for sports betting. You're going to need a big, big name in order to help Disney with its bookkeeping. If it does do the ESPN route of not spinning it out. And it's also interesting that the CEO saying we will not be the bookkeepers which is fine. I wonder how much money Disney will lose over this or how much they'll gain for sports betting. But I personally could see Disney opening up an area. I mean, they already technically have the ESPN lounges, at least in Anaheim, they have an ESPN lounge where you can go in, order food and all that stuff, right? I can see them putting like a section in the Disney area there where they're going to allow sports betting on that area in downtown Disney potentially. And who knows what all the other Disney areas but Disney could make a lot of money doing this going forward. It just depends on who the bookkeeper they get is at the end of the day. So it's going to be interesting to see. Just they're going to have to be a little bit more strict on who they allow in to potentially. Or maybe they'll just say, if you want to do your sports betting, it has to be online. It's hard to tell. But sports betting is pretty much here to stay now. It's in the making. So, But Disney is going to make a lot of money doing this. But continuing on with Disney, it says Disney CEO Bob Chapek says he'd like to own all of Hulu tomorrow, but says chances of early deal are slim. Disney's chief executive officer, Bob Chapek, said he'd love to own the Comcast 33% stake in Hulu tomorrow, but acknowledges the chances of an early deal are less and less as of 2024 approaches. I would like nothing more to come up with the solutions for an early agreement, Chapek said in an exclusive interview with CNBC's David Faber on Wednesday. But that takes two parties to come up with something that is mutual agreeable. Comcast has an existing mutual agreement with Disney to sell its minority Hulu stake as early as January 2024. Actors investors Dan Loeb is pushing Disney to accelerate the deal so it can fully interrogate Hulu with Disney+, Plus, creating a hard bundle that seamlessly allows users to view content from both services with one application. Comcast CEO Brian Roberts said Wednesday he would also like to own Hulu if Disney decided to put the streaming services up for sale. Hulu is a phenomenal business, has wonderful content, and I believe if it's up for sale, uh, put up for sale, Comcast would be interested, Roberts said at the Goldman Sachs conference Wednesday. Roberts added Comcast would be up for discussing a sale for its stake before the 2024 deadline, but it's on Disney to start the conversation. I think it's got tremendous value, and you know I'm sure our shareholders share that belief, Roberts said. Quote there, have been a pure play, fabulous streaming services put on the market, so I don't know that the public markets are the way to judge the value. But at CNBC reported earlier this month, Comcast executives expect Disney to stick with its plan to buy out Hulu. The question will turn to price. The best way to value Hulu is to figure out what it would sell for in theoretic auctions, Robert said Wednesday at the conference. JPEG told Favor this year dip uh, favors this year's dip in public valuation of Netflix should factor in to its eventual sale price in 2019 agreement disney and comcast signed an agreement to set uh 
agree, agreed a sale of a 33% stake by 2024. The company's agreed on a four-plus for Hulu of $27.5 billion. Quote, there's floor price to write JPEG said, which you know wasn't even relevant 18 months ago. And there's still uh, frothfulness in the streaming business. But now that things have kind of calmed down a lot, the floor value looks a lot more relevant. I still think Disney's going to get Hulu in the end. I do. Okay. And the only reason I firmly believe that is that Disney's going to want to be the dominant player soon in the streaming service. I mean, Disney Plus apparently is doing good from what I've heard. I mean, recently I had an advertisement when I was looking for apps to download for podcasting and stuff, or just looking into figuring out other stuff for podcasting that I had a advertisement that said, get Disney Plus for $1 a month. At least like it was like a promotional advertisement. So Disney wants to be the head honcho, which is fine. They have the content to be able to do that. Hopefully they can keep creating movies that people would actually want to watch. But I, I just see Disney taking all of Hulu. Now, granted, they probably don't have the money because they've been investing a lot and getting into a lot of debt. I mean, even sh- Disney's of share, uh, Disney shareholders haven't received a... We used to receive a dividend twice a year from the company. And now we're not even... We haven't received a dividend from the company virtually since... I think it was 2020 or something but it's just interesting to be able to see how disney's trying to f- figure out what it's going to take to get it but it's going to take a while but comcast don't see you guys getting hulu in the end i mean i don't even know what's on hulu technically for entertainment purposes but it's interesting to be able to see there, there's going to be a lot of talks between these two companies soon and we'll report as much as we can once it comes out so we'll keep an eye on that going forward Onto the economy. The economy is is breaking hard and CEO confidence is miserable, says billionaire investor Barry Sternlicht. Okay. The US economy is teetering on the brick of a serious downturn if the Federal Reserve doesn't pump the brakes on its rate hikes, billionaire CEO Barry Sternlicht said. The central bank has already raised interest rates four times this year and is widely expected to hike them up 75 basis points next week in an effort to tame inflation. Earlier this week, the consumer price rose 0.1% instead of 0.1% decline economic survey by Dow Jones were expecting. However, Steinlich believes the Fed was late to the game and is now being too aggressive. Quote, the economy is breaking hard. The chairman and CEO of Starwood Capital Group told CNBC Squawk Box on Thursday. Quote, if the Fed keeps this up, they're going to have a serious recession and people will lose their jobs, he added. Consumers' confidence is terrible and CEO confidence is miserable. Steinlich said supply chain issues are being resolved and inventories are now backing up in warehouses, which have led to huge discounting, he said. The CPI, the data they are looking at is old data. All they have to do is call Doug McMillan, a Walmart at Walmart, call any of the retail real estate fellas and ask what is happening to our apartment rents. He said, pointing out that the rate of rent growth is not is now slowing. The continuation of rate hikes will also cause a major crash. In the housing market, Steinlich predicted the once hot retail uh, correction the, the once hot real estate market is, sh- is swiftly slowing down, with mortgage rates for a 30-year fixed loan over six percent, up from 3.29 percent at the start of the year, according to Mortgage News Daily. While the Fed's target is two percent inflation, should run at three to four percent. Steinlich said, "Inflation that is driven by wage growth is fabulous. We should want wages to go up." He said, "Quote: You cannot pay higher rents. You cannot buy equipment. You." can go to the restaurant if you have higher wage growth. As for when the serious recessions will hit, Steinlich believes it is in the, in the mint. 
quote, I think it's in the fourth quarter. I think right now he said, you're going to see cracks everywhere. Yeah, I don't firmly believe that. I believe that's already happened right now. And the only reason I say that is his quote earlier where they're saying, if the Fed keeps up, uh, they are going to have a serious recession and people will lose their jobs. People are already losing their jobs right now. Okay. A lot, especially the white collar workers in particular. Okay. We mentioned Twilio yesterday is laying off people. Okay. About 11% of its workforce. We know Google's potentially have layoff some of its workforce as well to be more, I guess, well, it's, I, it's hard to remember the wording they said, but it was just to be more productive, I guess, but they have to lay off potentially some of their workforce. Back in the earlier summer months, we mentioned too that the real estate industry was having to lay off people too. Even yesterday in a radio show while driving to go coaching, they had mentioned that the white collar workers were being laid off across the board right now. Layoffs are already happening, okay? We're technically already in a recession in some way, shape or form. It's just hard to believe that it's finally happening, but it has happened. And so... They don't know what they're talking about. They just don't. It just seems like half of the time. Or maybe we haven't hit it. Maybe we don't. Maybe we just haven't fully hit it yet. But in my honest opinion, it's already hit. And we have to be able to keep figuring out what's truly happening because they're not telling the truth out there. And I do agree. CEOs are pretty miserable right now. I mean, you have a lot of companies that are refusing to give their potential forecasts going forward because they don't know what's going to happen which is fine because like I said, it's hard to tell what's happening in the markets right now. And we just got to keep paying attention to see what's going on. Last thing we're going to talk about today, railroads and labor unions reached tentative deal to avert a strike. Railroads and workers unions reached a tentative labor agreement earlier Thursday to avert a national, a national rail strike that threatened to shut a major segment of the U S transportation network. Last-minute deal avoids massive disruptions to the flow of key goods and commodities around the country. About 40% of the nation's long-distance trade is moved by rail. If unions have gone on strike, more than 7,000 trains would have been idled, costing up to an estimate $2 billion per day. The deadline for an agreement was midnight Friday morning. The party spent 20 executive hours negotiating before reaching a deal. The tentative agreement reached tonight is an important win for our economy and the American people. President Joe Biden said in a statement announcing the deal. Quote, it's win for tens of thousands of rail workers who worked tirelessly through the pandemic to ensure that American families and communities got deliveries of what they kept us going during these difficult years. The White House has been in talk with railroad workers, unions, and companies for several months, but negotiations were hung over an unpaid sick time. Tentative agreements have been reached with the, uh, with the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen Divisions of the International Brotherhood of, of Teamsters, the International Associated of Sheet Metal, Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers. Transportation divisions such as the Brotherhood of Railroad Signalmen, which collectively represents approximately 60,000 employees in the Association of American Railroads, said in a press release. The new agreement would improve rail workers' pay and working conditions and give them, quote, peace of mind from their health care cost, Biden said. He thanked railroad unions and companies for negotiating in good faith. The new contract provide rail employees with a 24% wage increase during the five-year period from 2024 through 2020, uh, correction, through 20, from 2020 through 2024, even though it's already two years into it, I guess, including an immediate average payout of 11000 upon ratification, according to the Association of American Railroads. The agreement also allows for an extra payday of workers, according to a joint statement by the labor unions. 
A spokesman for the unions called for a historical win and said that the deal paves way to revisit attendance policies in the future, but cautioned that the tentative agreements are subject to ratification by the unions, memberships that provides that could take at least a week. And last thing we'll talk about before we get into what the Daily Mail is saying about it says, quote, I think I, I thank the unions and rail companies for negotiating good faith and reach a tentative agreement that will keep our critical rail system working and avoid disruption of our economy, Biden said in a statement. Okay. This is where I need to get into now, okay? According to the Daily Mail, okay? Now, granted, Daily Mail is probably more political than CNBC probably ever is. Because CNBC is all about money, right? It says here, Biden caves to rail unions to avoid catastrophic strike and hands out immediate 11,000K bonuses and a 24% wage increase amid fear of fears industrial action would have cost the economy $2 billion per day, Okay. Now, some of this stuff is going to sound familiar, but just listen to this wording compared to what CNBC had just said. President Joe Biden said on Thursday that the tentative deal has been reached between the U.S. freight rail companies and unions, averting a potential devastating strike before the pivotal midterm elections. The agreement hashed out a national rail strike loomed at midnight on Friday will raise rail employee salaries 24% from a period from 2020 to 2024, with workers getting an average lump sum payment of 11000 of the backdated portion of the raise, according to a group representing rail companies. Biden called the deal a win of tens of thousands of rail workers who worked tirelessly through the pandemic to ensure that the American families and communities got deliveries of what, of what have kept us going during these difficult years. As negotiations between rail companies and unions came down to the wire, the White House and Biden's labor secretary, Martin J. Walsh, had stepped in to help broker an agreement. The tentative agreement must now be voted by union members. But even if they rejected, a rail shutdown has been averted for several weeks due to the standard language included in such a deal, according to a person familiar with negotiation. Okay, right there, that wording right there where they're saying, but even if they reject it, a rail shutdown has been averted for several weeks due to a standard language included in such a deal. So if this deal is rejected, okay, CNBC is saying it's already been passed, okay, granted, okay. They're saying pretty much that this could happen again within a few weeks, okay. Now, granted, this article was written, let's see, at 5.43 Eastern Standard Time, and CNBC's was written... Uh, I'd say about 5.15 a.m., it says on the article. Who's right here? It's hard to tell. News obviously moves really, really fast in our world right now. And like, I, and like I've said in past podcasts, by the time I'm done recording this, the news I've reported is pretty much outdated. There could be a new thing that's happening that that's being talked about in the middle of this podcast, okay? It's just really hard to believe that these strikes keep happening. And then this article actually explains a little bit why the the unions are not the unions. The unions negotiate with the federal government because it says here, uh, where is it? Somewhere in this article, it mentioned how, oh, here it is. Biden faced the same kind of uh, predicament faced by Theodore Roosevelt in 1902 with the coal and Harry Truman in 1952 with steel. How do you balance the needs of labor and business and doing what's best for the nation? Railways were important during World War One, and Woodrow Wilson temporarily nationalized the industry to keep goods flowing and prevent strikes. I think I mentioned somewhere in here too that the federal government helps with a lot of their helps helps like with a lot of the transportation, and so they're involved with it as much as possible. I mean, it makes sense a little bit, but here's another thing that's crazy in this article, and I think it's at the little bit more at the top. Okay. It says here, 
Experts said a strike would have hampered the country's already entangled supply chain and set inflation soaring once again. Ah, good old inflation. It's never going to end anytime soon, it seems like. The next paragraph, though, kind of gives us a reason why potentially we need to consider, at least as a nation and in the market itself too, why we need to potentially get pipelines up and running again, okay? Which I never thought I would be saying on this podcast. But then again, I'm also a little bit for more oil because I like to be able to have a lot of energy use instead of having me told that I might have rolling blackouts. But it says here, oil refineries would have had trouble producing their current volume of gas without the freight railroads, CNN reported. And that would have prevented recently harvest crops from moving to food processors as well as disrupt the supply of fertilizer to grow new crops. Okay. Think about that for a moment. If a strike were to happen, okay, obviously food would be an issue, fertilizer, but oil refineries being able to move oil. Okay. What's the very first thing that Joe Biden did at the beginning of his presidency? Do you guys remember? I know it's been a while. It's been almost two years. First thing he did was he shut down Keystone Pipeline. Okay. Think about this for a minute, okay? Warren Buffett, I believe, makes... It's like in the billions per day since the Keystone Pipeline has shut down. But they've pretty much made a reason to believe why we might need pipelines. Because if strikes happen in the railroad industry, you got to be able to move the oil and gas some way. But we're, we live in a world right now that it's just... It's insane. People are like, oh, we can't destroy the environment. Well, if you're trying to, de- if they're destroying the environment, then you need to tell them the rules and regulations of what they're doing. Businesses will follow rules and regulations because they want to make money, but they pretty much just made, they made a point of why potentially we need pipelines. Railroad workers can't handle everything. They just can't. Okay. And you have to make a decision. I mean, John D. Rockefeller started the pipeline industry because he got tired of paying, I believe, the railroads. I think it's in his autobiography book, too, if you read about it. Okay. And it worked. It, it, it stopped monopolizing the railroad industry when John D. Rockefeller did that. Now, granted, John D. Rockefeller did start his own monopoly in the making, but it's kind of making a push about why this needs to happen a little bit more. Last thing that needs to be mentioned, too. Because, like I said, this is more of a political one about the railroad industry. It says here from Eddie Vale, a Democratic politician consultant and a former AFL slash CIO communication aside, said the White House pursued the correct approach at a uh, pre-Lewis moment. No one wants a rail strike, not the companies, not the workers, not the White House, he said. No one wants it this close to an election. Yeah, this was done because, in a way, there's an election coming up. It's coming up really, really fast, in fact. And, of course, later on, as you keep reading the article, Republicans are blaming Democrats and Democrats are blaming Republicans. At the end of the day, what really it also boils down to is it seems like the railroad industry needs to be able to evolve. It does. And if these railroad workers are being worked a lot It also means, too, that we need to be able to find different ways to move the supply chain across our country, okay? You could build more rails, but that's probably an expensive endeavor at this point, and no one's really going to want to do that as well. Those were all made in the 1800s. Or maybe it's time that we have to consider going more automated with the railroad industry. And honestly, these are just food for thought, if you think about it, right? Someone out there is probably listening right now, Hopefully, to, I'm hoping it's from this podcast, but I kind of doubt it. But 
Someone's probably thinking out there, there's got to be a way to make the railroads more efficient, have less strikes. Because literally, the, the more, if, if there ever becomes a strike, think about it this way too. If there ever is a strike for both the railroad companies and the trucking industry at the same time, the lifeblood of the U.S. economy is doomed. It's just doomed right there. Okay. I mean, it's it's a weird thing to think about. But maybe it's time that someone needs to take a look at the railroad industry and decide where can we uh, make this more easier for railroad workers. Railroad workers are apparently working 12-hour days. That That's a lot of hours. Maybe it's time we got to start figuring out ways to make things more easy for our fellow workers in the United States just so that they're not being overworked to death and these strikes just don't keep happening. I don't know. But like I said earlier, the best thing right now that they've mentioned is they pretty much made a statement about why we need to get some pipelines going a little bit more. I haven't spoken about the pipelines in a while, but good to see that the railroad industry made me have to talk about that a little bit today on today's podcast. So with that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription we get can help grow this channel and be able to keep talking about what's happening in the markets, what could potentially affect the markets going forward and, and all that. So please share with friends or family as they might enjoy this podcast and be able to share with other friends and family as well so we can help keep growing this podcast. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.